Hallelujah. Let's pray. Not for me. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and our insides, deep inside of us, the depth of who we are this morning, that we would be touched by your love. And Lord, that we would hear the sound of your love reverberating deep within us. Amen. This morning, Pastor Louise came to me because many people knew we were going to have some special things this morning, so they were all asking if they could get a moment to say something because I was telling them that we didn't have time. And so she says, can I have a moment? I've got some verses. And I said, well, give me the verses. And then she explained to me that God doesn't usually give her verses in this way. So I've got the verses here, and I want to read them because I believe the Holy Spirit was giving her some thoughts, some impulses, some direction, some insight this morning. And so this is for somebody here this morning. It might be for more than just one person. But there's, there's somebody here this morning that God highlighted to Pastor Louise. She didn't tell me a name or anything, but I believe when God gives somebody a word, it's for somebody or something. So I'm just going to read you these verses in Numbers 13.33, when the Israelites, how they looked at their enemy when they were spying out the land, and there, there we saw the giants, the son of, sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Sometimes we see ourselves the wrong way. You're not a grasshopper. You're not a grasshopper. You're not a grasshopper. She had a couple other verses. In Psalm 107, verse 20, she just wrote this verse down. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. It's Father's Day today, and we're going to spend some time looking at the Father's love. And this right now is a demonstration of his love for you. That he would take the time to wake someone up, give them some thoughts, some impressions in their spirit and in their heart for you. Has anybody here ever craved to get a word from God? I've had moments where it's like, God, speak to me. Psalm 103, verse 4, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your, renew your youth is renewed like the eagles. Another verse, Numbers 23, 19. 
God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Some of you need to know that what God has said over you is not a lie. Because he's not a man that he should lie. So anytime he says a word for you, there is backing behind it. There's strength behind it. There is all of who he is behind it. And he does not, will not, and cannot lie. So I'm here to tell you, God has put a word in your heart that is not a lie. That's his word. I think there's another passage that says he's ready to perform his word. And the last verse that she gave me is, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visits him? For he has made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Lord, I just ask for these words just to fall on receptive ears and hungry hearts. Amen. A phrase that's been going through my mind this week is God is not a liar. The enemy is a liar. And what I find interesting often is we so, I would say we are pervicluities, but I don't know how to say that word very good. So our tendency is to go toward the lie before we go towards the truth. Have you ever noticed that? I'll give you an example. It's called Murphy's Law. Anybody hear Murphy's Law? I mean, he's got a whole pile of them. But one of them is, if something good is going on, just wait, because something bad's going to happen. Or if, if something's good going on, you must be doing something wrong. That's a lie. God has no problem blessing his kids. And I find it amazing that we are so... And when I say we, I mean it generally. But we are so easily taken to the negative side of the equation before we will speak the truth in the equation. So this morning, I want to talk about the Father's love. We've been talking about one of another, and last week I talked about love, and I, I spent a lot of time giving a definition of love. And it's, it's been interesting. I've grown up in church, so I've, I've heard love. I've heard the phrase, God is love. And what I'm asking, and that's why I started by praying this, this morning, was that the Holy Spirit would give you an understanding or a depth of understanding or even some of you that are crying out for love or acceptance, that he would touch you in a way that he hasn't touched you before because this word can be used so often that we forget the depth of its meaning. God is love. We use that. We hear that. But I, last week, we took a look at that word a little bit. The word agape love is actually a word that means that it, it's an action that you didn't deserve. We live in a society where love quite often is based on an exchange. 
we have defined love. If you do this, I will love you. We think that's how the word is defined. And we use that. And so sometimes we use the word love, and the first thing that comes to mind is how we've experienced it all our life. And almost each one of us has experienced love, and I use that in quotation marks, in a different way. And the enemy has taken the word and has misused it, has massaged it, has caused it to look like something else and has added bells and whistles and strings and everything else to it. But when God comes, he takes the word love and he defines it and he speaks it and he doesn't negotiate and say that he just says this is what it is. And I shared an interesting thought with respect to the word agape and and it's got a number of words that are associated with the word agape. But when they wrote the Greek New Testament, the word agape was not a common word to the Greek people. It's almost like God was having fun to say, I'm going to define who I am in a way that they don't normally talk. And so I want to spend a little bit of time this week, I spent time last week, but I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about God's love. We're Father's Day, and and I want to spend a little bit of time, God's love, the Father's love. First of all, men, I am so proud of you. I'm proud of you, men, because you are the fabric that society needs. Masculine men. Doesn't mean we don't cry, doesn't mean we don't have feelings. But it means we're men. And in today's day and age, we've watered that all down. But I want to celebrate men. I want to celebrate men. So as I share today, what I'm hoping to do is I'm hoping to put into the hearts of men especially, and women, you get to be a part of this as well because we're going to talk about God's love. But men, I want you to see God's love, the Father's love, and how he put that in us and how you can model and live that love to your children, to your spouse, to your friends. Because we're seeing the Bible, when it says love one another, it doesn't mean have a warm, fuzzy feeling. It says give love without even an expectation of return. So what I'd like you to do is if you could turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to read a number of verses out of that passage. And I want to give you about five or six thoughts out of Romans 8 near the end of the chapter. And as you're getting to Romans chapter 8, in chapter 5, there's a verse that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Love does not have a string attached to it. Love actually... The best way to understand love is by the action that it produces within itself. 
In other words, it doesn't wait to respond. It moves forward and it acts first. So men, when you love someone, you don't do it for what you get in return. You do it because of who you are. When you raise your kids, children don't always have the opportunity to give back or pay back. But what does a parent do, a mother and a father? They love them without necessarily even expecting something back. They just love them. Why? Because they're their child. I've got the Passion Translation with me here this morning, which is a, a great translation. It reads a different way. It writes things down a different way. And I want to read verse 16 for you first in Romans chapter 8. It says, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. I'm going to read that again. And if there's anybody here that's struggling with love, understanding love, close your eyes and just hear these words and let them drop into your being. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. The Holy Spirit is very active in revealing God's love. If I was to describe the Godhead, God the Father we quite often can relate to because we have a father. We have father figures in our lives. Jesus we can often relate to because he's pictured and portrayed and he came as a physical person. He took on the form of humanity, man. He walked the earth. He died on the cross. With the Holy Spirit, we have a real hard time putting in a box or defining because we often think of the Holy Spirit as Casper the friendly ghost or some other ghost or spirit that we've grown up with. But the Holy Spirit, if I can use real simple language, is the active agent of the Godhead in the earth now. We have, and and, and in, in real simple terminology, in the Old Testament, we see a great revelation of God the Father. Now, inside that is actually Jesus. But you see a great revealing of God the Father. Then we see in the New Testament when it begins, we see three and a half years, we see the life of Christ, but in especially the three and a half years of his ministry. So you get a picture of Jesus. But then after he ascended, he says, listen, guys, I've got to go so that I can send another. And when he said another, it didn't mean someone else. It meant one of the same. 
And what happened is Jesus, as a physical being, went to heaven, but the Holy Spirit came, and the deposit of the Holy Spirit was that he could meet and dwell and be within each individual on the earth. He was not constrained. And he is God. He's God. He's not less than. He is God. So when we refer to Holy Spirit, we're actually referring to God and we're speaking of God. And what's amazing about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is they're not in competition with each other. They're not competing. Holy Spirit isn't trying to one-up Jesus. In fact, what he's trying to do is reveal Jesus to us. One of his main ministries is to reveal Jesus and what Jesus did because Jesus in his life on earth did so much for us that the books could not contain. And Jesus says, when I go up, he's going to come and he's going to reveal things about me to you. And so one of the things is the Holy Spirit wants to whisper in your innermost being that you're God's beloved child. I mean, that's a sermon right there. But I've been told I have to speak a little longer this morning. But I, I don't want to rush past God's love. People are hungry and desperate and craving someone to listen to them, someone to care for them, someone to hear them, someone just to notice them. And I would suggest to you what they're craving for is God's love. But they have no idea how to articulate it. And so what do they do? They run from one thing to another. They try this. They try alcohol, drugs, abuse of those things. Part of that problem is they're trying to fill a void. And the only way they know how to cope is something happened last time, and it nulls the pain because the pain is so strong. They want to feel. They want to sense. They want a tangible notice of God's love. I'm here to tell you it is here right now. And the Holy Spirit is here right now. And he can touch that aching feeling inside of you better than any other thing. Better. And he can fulfill it in one moment. What psychiatry, psychology, self-help... Discipline, everything else. In one moment, Holy Spirit can touch something that years of therapy and other things can't. And I'm not against that. But sometimes we put all our weight in there and we don't take a moment to let his love penetrate our souls. I want to show you a few things about what his love looks like. The Bible is full of them, so this sermon is not the complete anthology of God's love. I used a big word there. I hope I used it correctly. Al, you and I need to go out for lunch. And uh, we need to learn how... 
this sermon isn't going to be complete. And what's amazing about God's love is it's never ending. You can never exhaust his love. We're going to be spending eternity with him. And what it says in the word of God, it's going to be a continually revelation of Jesus, of God's love. Because Jesus is God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I want to show you about four or five things in Romans chapter 8 that give a little bit of definition to love. And men, I want you to listen because this is something that I believe is a deposit into you as fathers. And some of you say, well, I'm not a father. You're a father to many. You just may not see it yet. I want to show you, uh, love, love is an action. It's a decision and it's an action. It doesn't wait for someone to do something. It initiates. God's love initiates. You did nothing to deserve or earn his love. Before time, in eternity past, before there was a clock ticking, in eternity past, God was there and love was there. And God said, I'm going to send you to die for the generation in 2018. Have you ever done something for somebody expecting a response? Have you ever done something for somebody expecting no response? Have you ever done something for an enemy? Have you ever done something for somebody knowing that the tendency, not the proclivity, of that individual would be to return back to their old ways and not continue in the receptive mode? See, we've painted love with colors. We've painted love with songs. We've painted love with this mural, and then it gets inside of us, but God's love is so much deeper, stronger, and greater. It says, it says, who can comprehend the light, the love of God, its width, its height, its breadth, and its depth? We live in a three-dimension world, X, Y, Z, but the love of God goes X, Y, Z, and then it kicks it up a notch and says, try the, the dimension of love. It's beyond the dimensions that we're used to. In Romans 8, the love of the Father, if we go to verse 31, I want to read you eight verses and then I'm going to take just a few minutes to share on those. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation, which is similar to the Amplified in the fact that it's a whole lot of more words. So eight verses there is like 17 verses regular. 
The triumph of God's love is the heading. So what does all this mean? Verse chapter 7 was talking about how Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I wish I could do, I don't, and I'm, and he, and, and it's, I'm a wretched man, I know, and, he's, and it's a struggle. And then in chapter 8, it starts by, there's no, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the life you have is the life of the Spirit, not the life of the flesh. And then he goes through quite an amazing argument and discussion talks about all things working together for good. That's in this chapter. And then Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, so what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? This is a picture of love. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his Son, and since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. And when you study this, you find out he's talking in legal language. The enemy wants to accuse you. He wants to parade your last mistake. He wants to parade the thoughts of frustration that you've had. He wants to parade those things in front of you and beat you up. And God says, not guilty. That was a good spot for a hallelujah. You're not guilty. Well, I made a mess. Well, clean it up, but you're not guilty. I'm not talking about sloppy agape. I'm talking about sloppy agape. I'm not talking about just doing whatever we want. I'm talking about living righteously, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He looks at you and he says, you have right standing with me. And because of that, you are not guilty. So when the enemy throws things at you, you can stand and say, not guilty. Because my judge has declared that and said that over me. Who then is left to condemn us? This again is a legal language. Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us, and even more than that, he conquered death, and he's now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he's continually praying for our triumph? I have people that pray for me. I have someone in heaven who prays for me all the time. And he's got it in with the Father. The Father listens to him intently. In fact, he prays his will over me. He doesn't just pray haphazardly. He prays the will of God over me. 
Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God, anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles? Nada. Pressures? Nada. And problems are, I added the nada, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions? Nada. Deprivations? Nada. Dangers and death threats? Nada. Nada. No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Verse 37, yet even in the midst of all these things, doesn't mean you're not going to have them, but in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them, for God has made us more than conquerors. This is his love for you. This is the strength of his love for you. That you can stand and say, I might be going through this. This It doesn't deny that this... There's things that happen in life. But there's also words in here. And I choose to listen to these. And I will declare these and say these. And when I read them, it says that I am more than a conqueror. Not only do I conquer it, but I'm more than. And if you look at that word, it's like heaping onto it a conqueror. Don't just look to survive. Look to thrive. Because you've got the love of God inside of you. I was going to try to stand behind here the whole time, but I'm not doing good. Even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors and has demonstrated, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, Dark rulers in the heavens, there's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. If the enemy has tried to tell you God's love isn't strong enough, I'm here to tell you he is a liar. A liar. God speaks the truth. And God says there's nothing that can separate you. There's nothing that can weaken his love for you. Even if you've made a mess of yourself, his love is still there. And his love is stronger than that mess. Because if that mess was bigger, that would mean God's inferior, and he's not inferior, he's superior. Men, are you getting this? Because I expect you men to walk with a different and a greater understanding of what it means to demonstrate God's love in a way that doesn't make sense to everybody around us. But this is what God's love is. And what's amazing is when you read God's love, it actually tells us that we're to love like he loved. <laughs> I had to slip a heavy in there somewhere. When we talk about God's love, and when you read the scripture, it says we're supposed to love like he loved. 
I haven't gotten there yet. Every once in a while, I still find I've got strings attached. And every once in a while is probably more than just once in a while. So I live with the confidence that there's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's trouble, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavenlies. There's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There's no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe. I mean, to infinity and beyond. I like to quote Buzz Lightyear every once in a while. Nothing in the distance of the universe can separate us from God's passionate love. So when we sing that song, The Reckless Love of God, it doesn't mean that God is reckless. He's very calculated, very committed. But when we look at that, it's almost like doesn't make sense. Does not seem to compute. Why would he climb a mountain for me? Why would he leave 99 to chase one? Why? That doesn't make sense. Why is the father who allowed his son to take the inheritance and go spend it and waste it, why would he go day after day looking for his son to return? And then when he does, what does he do? He runs to him. He chases him down. He hugs him. He kisses him. And he says, we're going to have a feast. That's what love of the Father is. That's what he's been working with me on. Because I make so many conditions to my love. I believe in boundaries and I believe in parameters. But sometimes we use them to justify our unlove. Sometimes we use them to justify our distance. And when I read the scriptures of his love, nothing can separate me from his love. I want to give you five things. Who can be against you? He's there for your freedom. He's there for your freedom. Who can be against us? No one. Paul asked these five questions through the inspiration of, of that. If he is for us, who can be against us? No one. He says, will he not give those things, the next one, he talks about he's a giver. This is the love of the Father. It's freedom, liberty. And by the way, freedom and liberty isn't for me to forget someone. Freedom and liberty is for me to help someone. I've been freed from this. I can help you. 
It's not getting out of my prison cell and running away. It's getting out of my prison cell and then running to the others and unlocking them so they can get out. That's what freedom's about. He gave the most. So we see liberty. We see he's a giver. Blessing. God is a giving God. He's a giving God. Love is what blesses us. He's your defender. He's your defender. When you lay down at night and your thoughts catch up to you and they start to mess with you and they start to bombard you, you only have to say one word. You only have to say one word. That word is Jesus. You don't have to discuss it. You don't have to argue it. You don't have to explain it. Because you know what? You actually might be guilty. But what you can do is go, I have a defender in heaven, a judge and a defender who has declared me not guilty. And he paid the price for me. And his love for me is what I stand on. And therefore, I am not guilty. You deal with that enemy. I don't have to deal with it. I'm going to stand on what he says. That's what his love is. Can you imagine fathers defending someone even though they've made mistakes? Can we make it practical? Even though they've blown it? That can go really crazy. I know that. Problem is, we haven't even gone there at all. We're worried about, what if that happens? Well, what about all this right here? Just loving them. Well, if I love them, they're going to do that. Then let them do that, but let's work here. We make so many excuses, and the excuses sometimes are like, well, if they do that, they'll just take advantage of me. Yeah, they probably will. But you still need to do what God's Word says. If they take advantage of me, I'll bring that to the judge. He cares about you. Not only does he defend you, but he says no, they, they can't condemn you. He cares about you. This is the love of the Father for you. Some of you have never had someone care for you. He cares for you. Some of you wish if only somebody would do this, I'm here to tell you, Jesus. That's who I serve. That's what he's done. And he demonstrated his love. And he says, the way that I've modeled this, the way I've lived this, is how you are to live this. So as we continue this conversation, I want to bring it back to love one another is a love that goes beyond some sensual feelings and some warm, fuzzy feelings and some good ideas and even good thoughts towards somebody. It's a love that cares for someone. 
It's a love that stands beside someone even though we know they made a mistake and they blew it and that's made a mess of everything. I will stand beside them and I will love them and help them because they are God's kids and God loves them. Now, wisdom does not say stay there. Wisdom says get better, but I'm going to be there to help them. And the last thing you can get from God's love out of this passage in Romans 31 is confidence. Nothing, nada can separate you from God's love. So quit trying to sabotage his love. Because it will run you down. He'll chase you down. He'll find you. He'll be standing there looking to see, are they coming back? And then when they do, he'll run out there and he'll hug you, kiss you, dress you, and put on a feast for you. Amen. Do you receive this? Good, because if you said no, I could keep going. So, quick point. When I say do you receive it, if you say yes, you probably cut the sermon time down really far. When I don't get the amens, I'll just keep going till I get them. It's Father's Day. We celebrate our Father in heaven. But men, I, I want to, I love you men. Because you are what will make a difference in your homes. You are what will make a difference in your home. Set the atmosphere in your home. Men, stand up and take the direction of your family and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As, as for this, we are going to walk in this direction. We're going to do and, and, and display God's love and model it. And if you say, what does that look like? Just read the Bible and see how Jesus loved, how God loved, and then say, wow, the Bible isn't just something I'm reading. It's reading me, and it's telling me, David, shape up. David, what about this? David, what about that? I love you, men. You're amazing. Jesus used 12 disciples and he changed the world. We've got a few more than 12. Let's change Abbotsford. I'll say it again. We've got a few more than 12. Let's change Abbotsford. We've got a few more than 12. Let's change our apartment block. Let's change our cul-de-sac. Let's change our driveway. Let's change our home. And see what God's love can do. Amen? Won't you stand? I've talked about God's love. If you've never accepted the love of God, you can right now. His love came in the form of Jesus who died for us to set us free and take away all unrighteousness and to cleanse us from all sin and to give us right standing with him.
So if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior for the work that he did for you, you can experience his love right now. So if you'd like to, I'd love for you just to raise your hand if you'd like to receive God's love this morning like you've never received it in the form of accepting Christ and the work he did. Amen. And what that means, that means I'm no longer myself. I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I've been paid for. I now live for him. Amen. Why don't you raise your hands? Just let this song just play over you. Just let it sing over you this right now. Let his love whisper in your heart. Don't close yourself. Open yourself and let his love pour into you. Let the Holy Spirit whisper in your innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Leaves the 99. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we celebrate. Fathers today, may we celebrate you as the Father and who gave your life and gave your love to us. We thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.